Welcome to this episode of Solution Spotlight. I'm your host, JD Miller with CDM Media. We have a great show for you today. Enterprise architecture is an area of growing interest for the Federal Financial Institutions Examination Council, also known as the FFIEC. So the latest FFIEC IT examination handbook released in June focuses specifically on architecture, infrastructure, and operations, and its combination with DevOps or AIOps. So what does that mean? Well, it means the role of the CTO and the chief architect is changing. And today, we're going to be joined by Mitch Ween, head of financial services, executive partner service at ITA Neverica. We'll be joining him in just a minute, and he's going to fill us in on why there's these changes. As many of you know, revenue generating initiatives remain the top priority for architecture teams, followed by cloud, microservices, AI, machine learning, zero trust, and expanding the use of APIs across the enterprise. So when you're looking at that as the head of architecture, infrastructure, and operations, along with DevOps or AI ops, are you ready? Today, we're going to be joined by Mitch Ween, head of financial services, as I mentioned a bit earlier, from IT Neverica and I got to dive in here real quick, Mitch. Thank you so much for joining us, first of all. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me, JD. So we, we talked uh, in a previous podcast around really big changes that, that continue to happen for technology leaders. This is one that is really kind of interesting for a lot of organizations because back in June when these standards came out, uh, some of it was new as you look as new supervision for FDIC, FDIC firms, a CIO checklist was necessary. It wasn't really there. Tell me a little, little bit about why you released this. And also, this is a big part of what you guys are doing with an executive partner services too. Absolutely. So thanks again. So, you know, IT Navarica Group uh, was formed earlier this year uh, through the merger of two uh, advisory companies, uh, Novarica and ITE. Novarica focused in on insurers and ITE focused in uh, with insurers to a lesser degree, but also banks, securities, and wealth management firms. When we combine those two together, we realized that some of the uh, executive support and research that was being provided through the executive partner services for insurer uh, C-level IT executives was also needed for bank, broker, child, and wealth management, uh, C-level ICT executives. And so I'm leading the charge for the firm to build out this service, the executive partner service for all financial services, excluding insurance where we have a fully mature practice already up and running. As part of that, we're looking at and scanning the environment to determine what are the most important hot buttons and issues that C-level IT executives like CTOs and the heads of architecture have and have to deal with. And it turns out that one of the most hottest issues out there right now is the change in examination standards. The reality is that if you're in an FDIC regulated institution, which every bank is, you have to be responsive to the review requirements that is placed upon you. So when these folks come in, you need to make sure you're doing what they expect 
you're doing, and you have that all documented. Now, that's not new. You know, banking regulations have been around at least since the Great Depression 90, 100 years ago. But I'll tell you what is new. What's new is that regulators are looking at IT architecture. They never explicitly looked at that, ever. And now, all of a sudden, with these new standards that came out in June 2021, we're now looking at the interplay between architecture, infrastructure, and operations, because the regulators know and now understand that the interplay between the three is the difference between a functioning and stable bank and a bank that could go under or have people's assets um, put at risk. Hence the focus uh, for the EPS service uh, here. And of course, uh, as part of our charter advisor process, we're gathering people together, other C-level executives, CIOs, CTOs, heads of architecture from banks and other financial firms to come together to tell us what other types of issues like this are out there so we could start focusing our research in those areas. We could start providing expertise and perspectives and best practices. And we can start creating a virtual community through our research councils so that people can share these best practices. You know, it's a, it's a very, very dynamic and changing world. And, you know, being in the banking industry is no different than anywhere else. And we have to respond. Executives have to respond. And it's a lot easier when you have outside experts helping you and when you can talk to other folks that are peers of yours and other institutions and find out exactly how people are dealing with it. And so we are getting together uh, folks on October 25th uh, for, uh, to uh, be charter advisors and start to provide guidance and support uh, around this um, new partner executive partner service so that we can direct it. And uh, uh, of course, we're, we're anxious uh, to have everybody's participation uh, as many as possible. Absolutely. And looking through this uh, impact brief that you guys put together, the CIO checklist enterprise architecture for FDIC supervised firms, there's a lot of great information in this. And, and you can get it on ITA and America's website. We'll touch more on that in a little bit. But when we're looking at this, as far as technology, the architecture, infrastructure, operations, let's just be honest, never really come out with standards. Why now? And what does this really mean, Mitch? Yeah. Well, one of the problems with architecture generally is it's been defined different ways by different people and different organizations. Some people have defined it very strategically. You know, let's do some research. Let's do some studies. Let's be, you know, more of a cathedral in the sky about best practices. Some people have looked at it and said, you know, it needs to be more pragmatic, more practical. It has to be able to provide input into day-to-day uh, programs and technology uh, projects uh, and help that way. Uh, some people have looked at methodologies like TOGAF, for example, and said, well, this is the way I should follow it. Other people have looked at that and said, this is way too religious, way too uh, restrictive. It's not going to be fit for purpose for what we need. Uh, and of course, ultimately, uh, you know, architecture is like anything else, it's gonna be as good or as bad as the people practicing it. So yes, you may have objective standards and things, but there are good architects and there are bad, bad architects. There are good heads of architecture and bad ones. The best heads of architecture are the ones that facilitate the transfor transformation of their banks, of their wealth management companies, et cetera, 
through architecture. So it's about organizational transformation and change, much less than it is the specific practice of architecture. So when we look at this, why is it more prescriptive? Yeah, so, you know, I think the FDIC looked at basically the quality of architecture within the banking industry and found a large range of practices, some of which uh, have put institutions at risk. Noticeably, the ransomware attacks that have occurred recently have highlighted the need to relook at how architecture is being performed generally. Of course, zero trust architecture is the specific example as we think about security, but it's more than zero trust in the security context. It's the overall operational practice of architecture and the artifacts and processes that are being performed and being delivered. So without all of that, the banks are at risk. And at the end of the day, the FDIC is there to ensure that the banks can operate effectively and reliably and protect people's assets. So all of a sudden, something that was not a threat 10 years ago uh, has become in, you know, an ever-present threat that the FDIC has to concern itself with now. I have to follow up because this is interesting. Why why did the Executive Partner Services, the EPS within ITA and America, why'd you guys pick this to, to do this study? Yeah. So, you know, we've started talking to uh, folks as part of standing up the new service. And people are telling us, hey, we want to share best practices. We also want an insight into what's right or what's wrong and how best to be prepared from a regulatory point of view. These new standards are out there. And frankly, we have no track record of how to respond to regulators when they come in and ask questions. So an executive partner service that specifically targets CTOs and chief architects and the CIOs that own those functions and really looks to solve their problem on how to respond to regulators would be something of tremendous, tremendous value. So when we dive into those individuals that are going to benefit from this, talk to me a little bit about the role of CTO and, and the chief architecture officer and what the FDIC is expecting someone in that role to do now. Yeah. So, you know, there's a couple of elements that the FDIC is saying that a CTO or a chief architect or a head of architecture, there's different, you know, names for it what those folks need to be doing, what they need to be responsible for, and ultimately what they need to demonstrate. The first thing is a common understanding of architecture and language so that there's a standardization of architecture in that bank or in that FDIC uh, controlled institution or, or regulated institution. The second thing it has to, it has to be able to own the enterprise architectural blueprint. How do all the pieces of the technology connect together to fulfill all of the functions of the bank, whether it be payment processing, loan origination, uh, secured lending, collateralization, um, you know, trading, and all the rest of the things that banks do. So, you know, this architecture has to be able to provide all of that, it has to be able to provide that in a secured 
and consistent fashion and in a reliable fashion. So having a enterprise blueprint, also having an alignment of that evolution of that blueprint to the business objectives of the bank. So that as the bank evolves, let's say it wants to evolve its digital offerings, for example, or its payment capabilities, or its uh, facilities in, in some other way, shape or form to be more virtual, for example, and what it offers. To the extent it wants to evolve and move forward, the architect needs to demonstrate how that blueprint will go from its current state to its future state and what the roadmap of projects and initiatives will be. So that head of architecture is the owner, is the creator, and ultimately the orchestrator of all of the activities related to building out the bank's technology ecosystem. It also has to look at risk. Banks deal with risk all the time. They deal with financial risk. They deal with security risk. They deal with other types of operational risk. And historically, banks have always been accountable to the regulators for those risks. Well, technology has to provide solutions to the risk and the architect owns what those solutions are and how they're going to be put together. Another area that the FDIC is looking at is how does the head of architecture communicate to the senior leaders of the bank? Um, what are the challenges? What are the trends? Um, you know, uh, a perfect example here is the emergence of quantum technology. Well, quantum technology will ultimately allow bad actors to break security protocols. And if I'm a bank moving lots of money around, that could be a problem because it could result in theft or uh, manipulation of bank accounts or other types of uh, malicious uh, activity behavior. So quantum as an emerging technology then requires the head of architecture, the CTO, to come up with a response to that. And then, you know, basically communicate that to the senior leaders. Um, you know, it has to also look at the infrastructure and the operations of the bank and look to see how those are coming together with the architecture to be optimized and also make sure that all the capabilities that are required by operations to support their needs or uh, the infrastructure, the way it communicates, the way it's put together, particularly now that banks uh, are utilizing a lot of cloud-based services and third-party vendors to facilitate a lot of their functions. Well, that all has to come together. And again, the head of architecture CTO owns that and has to be able to communicate that. And then, uh, of course, as any senior leader would, they have to be involved with strategic planning. So how is it going to evolve? How is it going to be funded? Who's gonna run it? How does it organizationally get delivered? There's other elements, of course, to all of this that the regulators are gonna look at as well. So they're gonna look at making sure that the head of architecture understands the security profile with the CISO. Um, how does data work? Particularly, what if data is in the cloud now? You know, how does all that data, data security, data protection, data categorization work? How is the networking working? How is this service delivery working? Particularly now that many people are receiving banking services remotely vis-a-vis -vis the pandemic. And then finally, you know, what is the structural design of the IT architecture of the bank as it evolves? So for example, if it's putting on new assets or it's expanding or it's growing, or if there's an M&A, two banks merge together, how does that all kind of come together? Again, the regulators are looking at all of that and the role of the head of architecture CTO has to cover and demonstrate that. 
So in the report you put out, in this report, you outline like a key checklist for FDIC supervised firms and, and really seven key points. And I'm going to go over those on, on a high level, but curious your take on this. The one, ensure the key components of an architecture plan. Two, design for open banking architecture principles. Three, leverage APIs and microservices internally and with partners. Incorporate advanced technology, including AI and machine learning. Incorporate a zero trust security architecture. Support agile methodologies and consider the cloud. So as a CTO, as a CAO, where do I start? And, and as we look through this checklist, because there, there's a lot to each one of these. Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, the architecture plan itself is listed first in that checklist. And it's because at the end of the day, all the other items in the checklist are supported by the architecture plan. And all plans, whether it be architecture or anything else, are always about people, process, and technology. What technology you're going to bring to bear? What processes are you going to use to deliver? And what are the people and their capabilities? And so if we think about the principles, we start thinking about process and people. If we think about APIs and microservices, we think about technology. If we think about advanced technology like AI, machine learning, we're starting to think about the future. So that's that whole roadmap and how we're going to get to that future state, which again, at the end of the day, is going to be reflected vis-a-vis -vis the plan. Security, of course, is foundational. So zero trust architecture is going to be looped into all of it. Uh, agile is the way we work now. And so all of a sudden, if we're working agile, how does working agile complement uh, and support and not go in conflict with the practice of architecture? We can't throw away architecture to practice agile, but we can't practice architecture in a way that kills agile because our institutions can't evolve correctly or, uh, or in a manner they need to without it. And, and then finally, we know, all know that the cloud is going to be with us and continue to expand in, in the banking industry. Um, and so how that comes together with everything else is just foundational uh, to all of it in terms of people, process, and technology. So looking at this checklist, what do you want a, a main takeaway to be for those leaders who are, are looking for this guidance? I think the main takeaway for folks is to take a step back and understand that the way they practiced architecture in the past would not, not only be not fit for purpose for moving forward, but actually will put them out of compliance from a regulatory point of view. And that's the new piece. Right? We could have kind of maybe gotten away with not doing things quite right. Maybe we still kind of wanted to use older process methodologies like waterfall type methodologies. Uh, maybe we hard coded some stuff. You know, we didn't necessarily want to use the APIs. You know, we're kind of doing some old school file transfers, maybe. Um, you know, maybe I'm going to use more traditional defense in depth and you know, kind of ignore the zero trust thing. Uh, that would have been okay, but now it's not. Because all of a sudden, if you kind of don't want to do this stuff, the regulators are going to come in and say, exactly why aren't you, choose, uh, aren't you doing it? Uh, what are your plans to do it? And when? Hmm. 
And that question from the regulators has changed the game. So where does this take us? Where do you see the changing role of the CAO or CTO in 2022 and beyond? Well, I think the, you know, the, um, I look at the CTO or the head of architecture as the conductor in an orchestra. So if you have a lot of different sections, all with very, very different expertises, and that conductor can conduct it to make music instead of noise, then we can create the next generation of banking in a manner that's going to meet the expectations of the millennials and the Gen Zs, which by the way, are digital from the ground up, expect that by default, their interactions with financial services firms will be kind of like Amazon, interacting with Amazon. Uh, And by the way, there's no choice anyway, because there's something called the pandemic, which is forcing digitization, even if you don't like it for older generational cohorts. So at the end of the day, can the CTO, can the head of architecture act as a conductor to create digital music? Or is it going to be a bunch of noise? And if it's a bunch of noise, the regulators are going to come in and say, I don't think you're allowed to play noise anymore. You're only allowed to play music. Nice, nice. So give me some final thoughts. And I've read some of your final thoughts in, in your blog as well. Tell me a little bit about that. But final thoughts around this topic. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things I want to stress here is that when we think about architecture in this newly regulated world where regulators think about architecture too, we need to think about a few things. One, we're not going to control all aspects of what we're accountable for. If we think about open banking business models, for example, we think about neobanks that are literally digital from the ground up, we're thinking about you know, impacting you know, aggregation, we're thinking about distribution, we're thinking about banking as a service. And we're thinking about using a lot of partners, many of which will live in the cloud. And so while we're going to be accountable for all of these things, we're also going to have to be aware that we're not going to be able to directly control these in a way that had been traditionally the case. So on the one hand, we're now being held to regulatory standards that we were not historically. And on the other hand, we have less control in some ways than we ever did because much of these services are on the cloud, they're with third parties and will continue to be and expand. So the real name of the game here is to support open banking business models, to leverage APIs to connect all this stuff up to practice agile as we combine and recombine and modify and change this so that the architects act as the facilitators of collaboration as opposed to the policemen. And then finally, essentially incorporating emerging technologies like AI or machine learning algorithms to help with you know, loan servicing to help with, you know, suggestions of banking products that people may need 
or other value-added services that can be literally weaved into this new ecosystem in a seamless way and replaced and updated on a very frequent basis since the only thing I do know is that change will accelerate over time. It's not slowing down. Right. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mitch. And, and you can get this, this report that we were talking about at Ite Navarica's website. Um, also check out uh, Mitch's blog as well. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Mitch. Thank you, Jim. Have a great afternoon. Thanks again to Mitch for joining us for this episode of CDM Media's Solution Spotlight. To catch past episodes of our podcast, you can visit cdmmedia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm J.D. Miller, and remember, keep connecting.